and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Paul Hudrick, and unfortunately, I'm not joined by Seamus Clancy this week. He has the week off, but he will be returning next week, and hopefully we will be recapping an Eagles win after they clinch the one seed and, of course, home field advantage in the playoffs. Give some guys some much-needed rest, which we will get into right here on the edition of this edition of the podcast. We're also going to, of course, talk some Sixers, their eight-game winning streak snap, but a big win on Christmas Day. Though a little drama with the reports of James Harden and where he might want to go this offseason. So we'll talk about that. But first, we have to talk Eagles losing to the Cowboys Christmas Eve. It was a fun game. You got to give him that. It was it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, Gardner Minshew throwing the ball everywhere. Dak Prescott, Prescott doing the same. And look, it's pretty obvious what happened. They turned the ball over four times. You turn the ball over four times with a backup quarterback on the road you're probably going to lose, right? Like, that's going to happen most of the time. With that said, they still have a hell of a shot to win, right? Like, down the stretch, they're, they're driving. Minshew's got them down the field a little bit. Of course, the, the timeout situation, you know, didn't quite go their way. But, you know, it was – they came up just short. And it, it stinks, and I know it hurts. It, it always hurts to lose to the Cowboys. And especially how big that would have been on the road with Minshew, a quarterback, Christmas Eve, able to clinch the one seed, the division, you know, first, you know, clinch the bye home field throughout just would have been so beautiful and wonderful for that to happen, but it didn't. And it, it's not the end of the world though. They gave him a hell of a fight. They really did. Uncharacteristic stuff by, by a few guys, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people were frustrated with Quez Watkins and uh, listen, I'm, I'm with you uh, just really getting, you know, out muscled for two, two, for two footballs. Like quite frankly, that's, that's the long and short of it. He just got out muscled for two balls. Really? The routes weren't exactly the most crisp I've ever seen either. So that's something Quez Watkins is going to have to, to, to look on and, and look back on and, and reflect on. And I'm sure Gardner, Min, you know, Gardner Minshew is probably a guy that has worked with Quez Watkins a lot on the scout team. And they probably worked together a bunch and they've, they've probably got some chemistry. So that's why Minshew felt comfortable going back to him. But clearly you would have liked to seen, some of the other players perhaps targeted, of course, Dallas Goddard in his first game back, but did look like Dallas Goddard. So that was very, very encouraging. Of course, the defense is not absolved of Bland. Listen, you turn it well over four times, you put your defense in really tough spots, and they really did. I think Dallas had, what, 17 points off turnovers. That's not going to cut it. It's, you know, you're, you're, you gift wrapped in 17 points. So that does not help your, your defense at all. But that said, of course, the third and 30 play is the play that's going to stick out more than anything. Uh, Dak Prescott finding T.Y. Hilton, of all people, down the sideline for a deep ball. T.Y. Hilton could still run, obviously. That's something he could still track a deep ball. There's something to that. That is a special skill, and T.Y. Hilton has always had that ability. But, uh, uh, you know, I saw Darius Slay getting upset, and I think he, I think he's right to get upset that people are coming at him. Clearly, if you know anything about football, that was not – he was obviously expecting help over the top from the safety, and I'm not sure what – Josiah Scott was doing there. Now, we have to note that Avante Maddox left the game, and Avante Maddox was playing great. He was all over the freaking place. He looked awesome um, to start the game. And we heard on the broadcast, they talked about Jonathan Gannon said, look, Maddox, you know, with C.J. Gardner-Johnson already out, we're going to move Maddox around a little bit. We're going to use him at safety. We're going to use him in nickel. We're going to maybe even use him as like some like dying linebacker stuff. And he was looking pretty damn good doing that to start the game. Suffers that toe injury and, you know, also the C.D. Lamb touchdown. I mean, that's another play that 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 was, you know, and I'm not trying to pick on Josiah Scott. Look, he is what he is. He is a backup nickel corner in the NFL. And it 
you know, how many teams have above average backup nickel corners. And it's just not an easy spot to have to go into that. And Maddox was clearly a big part of the game plan and was going to have a big role. And when he gets hurt, it screws up the entire game plan. Like, I don't think that's overstating it at all. I think that's the reality. And he's like, he's a pretty underrated part of this defense. He's one hell of a player. And this secondary was already so thin um, at, at the corner and safety position. So it's, it hurt. It hurt. It really hurt to lose Maddox. Scott, I thought, you know, he really struggled and they picked on him. Credit to Dallas. They saw the weakness. They picked, and they picked on it. Dak Prescott found his guys. He knew what to do. And, 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 you know, I, I don't know what Scott is looking at on that third and 30 play. I don't know why he's, you know, I don't know why the, it, you know, some people have said it's a, the, it was a cover too, but the, the, the coverage was disguised. And why are you, what's the point? What's the point of even showing a disguise on third and 30, right? Just played, play two guys deep and, and that's it. But that wasn't the only reason they lost the game, right? I mean, they, they had plenty of opportunities to win the game and they didn't close it out. And the, to me, the four turnovers are what's, are, are the biggest concern. I thought too, the pass rush, they came on, uh, they, they're the ones who forced the third and 30. Uh, if they come up, with a fumble, by the way, if they come with a fumble recovery on the Hassan Reddick sack, that would have changed an awful lot too, but they don't. And that's, again, that's the big difference. Four to one turnovers, you lose that battle. And, and that's, uh, that's the huge difference in the game. Really? The injuries are, are, are what's brutal. Uh, like the biggest loss is not really to me that you lost Dallas. It's that you lost Lane Johnson, Lane Johnson, who's uh, should absolutely be an all pro should probably be an all pro. Like every year he's played in the full season in the NFL, him having an abdominal injury that he's going to need surgery on. Now we just got word that he is going to put off that surgery until after the the postseason. Um, he's going to try to rehab and come back and, and come back for the team's first playoff game, whenever that may be. Whew. Credit to Lane Johnson because that sounds awful. Um, I I don't know how effective he's going to be, and that seems like it's going to hurt. But I I give him all the credit in the world for for giving it a go. And it's we're very curious what's going to happen with the line shuffling. What's going to happen? Because we've seen what happens when you throw Andre Dillard on the right side of the line. It's not gone very well for Andre Dillard, but he's proven to be a pretty effective player on the left side. Jordan Mailata has dabbled in right tackle. He's played a little bit there. It's, 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 you know, it, it, do you switch those two up and, you know, maybe that throws Mailata off a little bit because he's on the right side as opposed to the left side? Or do you have, you know, Jack Driscoll just just stay at right tackle, and just that's what they did. You know, against Dallas, they just plugged him in. He's a fine backup player. Uh, Dr Driscoll's a, a very a very capable, versatile backup offensive lineman. So I, I don't think that's an easy slam dunk call to me. I almost wonder if I would do Mylotta only because I look at it like this: if Lane Johnson can't be back. Or if he does come back and he's not Lane Johnson, right? He, he's compromised. He's hurt or he, you know, and he has to leave a game early in, in the first playoff game. I would rather have my lotter ready to play right tackle and have my better tackle option option in Dillard playing left tackle and work from there. It's not an easy decision though. And I wouldn't blame the Eagles. Um, I wouldn't blame Jeff Stoutland if, if his call is no, I think we need to go, you know, keep Driscoll at right tackle, keep the rest of the line intact. I, I don't, you're not going to know the wrong answer to that question until we see it on the field. Unfortunately, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think it's the coaches have to really see it and have a feel for what they think is the best. There's something to be said for just wanting to get your five best guys out there, but there's also a hell of a lot to be said for continuity. And this offensive line has a lot of it. They played really well this year. Uh, you know what? They have two, three pro bowlers and two pro bowl alternates on the, on the offensive line. So 
that's not an easy thing to replace. And Elaine Johnson's a borderline irreplaceable player. He, he, like I said, he's he's an all pro caliber player, and it's going to be hard to miss him. But I do think, with all that said, this game against the Saints, they should win it. I really believe that. I, I think they should win it. I it it seems you know, I think even the most optimistic of us don't think that Jalen Hurts is going to play at this point. He was listed as an, a non participant in the walkthrough today, so Wednesday as we're recording this podcast. So I. I don't have particularly high hopes for Jalen Hurts suiting up against the Saints. And if it's Minshew, I think we'll be fine, especially, again, at home. I, I don't think people of all sports, the home field advantage in, in, in the NFL is just so much more than any other sport. And I think Minshew, again, as a backup quarterback, to have that, and now to have a week under his belt too, right? Like that was such a difficult environment to ask a guy to play it. And he played pretty damn well, all things considered. So I think getting him back at home, uh, I, I think we'll be in a much better place. I think we'll be much more comfortable, have all the practice reps. Um, it was a tough week for Minshew personally, too, not to make excuses for the guy, but, I mean, he did lose, you know, Mike Leach, the, the, the legendary coach who did coach uh, Gardner Minshew at Washington State, passed away. He attended the funeral. So, I mean, I, I, I believe he gave a eulogy as well. I mean, that's that's a, that's heavy stuff, right? That's a, that's a lot on a guy's plate. So, uh, with all that said, I think this week, it has the potential for Gardner Minshew to play better. And I, I feel confident he can get the job done. I am a little bit worried that CJ Gardner Johnson um, did not, they did not open the practice window for him on Wednesday. Uh, they could have done that today and they did not. Now maybe they're waiting for some more imaging to come back. Apparently he was around the facility and in good spirits. So we'll see there as the week goes on, maybe we get a good report and maybe he can play, but as we already talked about, you know, Maddox is going to be out. I mean, he's, they, 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 I think, I believe it's, at least the rest of the regular season Maddox out with a pretty significant toe injury. So they're going to have to the piece it together. And it, it Josiah Scott's going to have to play. He's going to have to play a good bit. Uh, I think Blankenship and Wallace have actually played. Okay. I think they played solid. It, it, it when with guys in and out of the lineup. Epps is fine. I think he is a, a solid starting safety. I would put him at solid. I, I don't think he's, you know, above average. I think he's, I think he's a solid guy at that spot, but CJ Gardner Johnson was having, legitimately an all pro caliber season was leading the league intercept. I believe he's still tied for the league lead in interceptions without playing the last couple of weeks. So getting him back would be enormous. His former team as well, which we can't, can't overstate that. That's, uh, you know, this is a guy who clearly feeds off of that kind of stuff. So um, him being back against the saints, I think that could set up things very well for the Eagles. But I think in, in, in any case, I think they have, an excellent chance. And I think they quite frankly should win this game and they should sew up the division, sew up home field and the one seed throughout the playoffs. And uh, hopefully that gives, you know, Jalen hurts time to rest up. That gives Lane Johnson time to rest up. Avante Maddox time to rest up. CJ Gardner Johnson time to rest up. It sucks, right? Like they've had such good injury look all season long. And that's what's allowed them to get off to this great start. And now they're all coming at the end of the season at the worst possible freaking time. It's, it's very frustrating, but, you still got to feel really good about where they are right now. And it's been a very fun season and you hope that everyone can get somewhat healthy and they can maybe go on a little bit of a run here, get the, get the home field, get the buy, get everyone rested and hopefully win at least, at least get to the NFC championship. My goodness. Um, I I'm really hoping that they're healthy enough to get through that first playoff game. We're going to talk a little Sixers, uh, their eight game winning streak snap, some James Harden reports coming out about his interest possibly in the Houston Rockets in the offseason. 
But we're going to take a quick break here on the Thirsty Dog Drink Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. We will be right back right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back, and we're talking Sixers. Philadelphia Sixers, who have won, who had won eight straight games, including a very impressive win on Christmas Day over the New York Knicks, overcoming a halftime deficit to um, take the win there. Joel Embiid, James Harden, just spectacular down the stretch of that game. George Niang nailed some huge threes. Uh, D'Anthony Melton, again, just what a fine this guy has been, how important he's been to this team, and and. Really, I tweeted on Christmas Day, where would the Sixers be without DeAnthony Melton? And the answer is probably screwed uh, because he's been that good for them. But two things uh, that are not so warm and fuzzy about your Philadelphia 76ers right now. On Christmas Day, we get the report from Woj, the Woj bomb on Christmas Day, which, by the way, come on, dude. Like, it wasn't enough to have the Christmas Day slate. It's the biggest day of the NBA year. You have all these games on ESPN, ABC all day long. You don't have to drop the Woj bomb at 11 a.m. Like, kids are unwrapping Sixers Harden jerseys, and here you are on the pregame show saying, yeah, he might want to go to Houston. Cool. Thanks for that. And thanks for the people, you know, certain writers who have to aggregate that while they're, you know, instead of hanging out with their son on Christmas Eve for a couple minutes. So cool. Thanks, Woj. Appreciate that. But ESPN got what they want, right? Because everyone was talking about it, and all the Sixers fans were pissed off. So congratulations, ESPN. Good for you. Glad you got some. Uh, glad you got some some coverage out of that. Glad you got some eyeballs to it. Good for you. With that said, I, I think there is plenty of smoke here. We've seen this report from Woj. We heard, I think it was last week, Tim McMahon of ESPN, who is really plugged into the Houston and Dallas uh, area. Those teams. He also said that he believed Harden would have interest in, in a Houston reunion. And then Jake Fisher, who does such a great job for Yahoo Sports, a former Liberty baller, of course. Um, last year even brought up that Harden did not rule out wanting to return to Houston as, for the tra- for a trade from back to Brooklyn. Let's undo the trade, I guess. I guess that's what he was thinking. Just undo it. Screw it. Let's just take these backsies on that. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Harden was apparently wanting to do, but that obviously did not come to fruition, and the Sixers now have James Harden. He signed that one-plus-one contract in the offseason with the player option, and I think it's fair that there's smoke here. You know, it, it, there is smoke here with his him possibly returning to Houston this offseason in free agency. I take it how you want to take it to me. Like I, I I'm not going to overreact to it. The timing is terrible. I mean, just really. I mean, they did one eight straight games or seven straight games at that point, and then they win the eight straight after the report comes out. They're playing great. Him and Embiid are playing great together. They're playing good basketball. I mean, Joel Embiid, to his credit, I I vividly remember. When the homestand started and they had that game against the Lakers that got really ugly at the end. And the it was it almost felt like a loss in the presser. And that was coming off, of course, the really rough road trip where they had lost three straight, including the the this the worst double overtime game I've ever watched against the Rockets in Houston. 
But I give Joel Embiid credit for having kind of the temperature of his team. He said, the vibes are good here. Like, we're not down. Like, we're, we feel good about where we are. Yeah, like, there's, there's been injuries and we've lost some games, but we feel good about things. No one's down. And he had the pulse of his team. He really did because then they rip off, you know, eight straight games and they've been playing some damn good basketball. So that to me is the shame of the Harden thing. He signed the one plus one. That was his prerogative. He's allowed to be a free agent this offseason and explore his options. I have zero issue with that. That's that's fine. The timing of it sucks. That's it. That's pretty much where I stand on, on, on the James Harden situation in that report. Um, he's still a Philadelphia 76er. I don't see I don't see a situation where it's like last year in Brooklyn where he wants to get in your I mean, never say never, but I, I don't see that because I think the Sixers are going to be good enough. I think Joel Embiid and him are, are going to be good enough because they played so damn well together recently. I think they're both going to be good enough that this team's going to be going to have going to go on. They already went on a run, but I think they're going to continue to go on a run here. And I think they're going to play some pretty good basketball up through the trade deadline. With that said, Tuesday night was not very good basketball, at least in the first half. And there's been this weird trend the last three games. They've given up 60-plus points in each of the last three first halves of the Clippers, the Knicks, and now the Wizards. Against the Clippers and, and Knicks, they were able to overcome it, flip the switch, beat them. The Wizards, they flipped the switch, and and they, they played pretty damn well in the second half, but the problem is they played so poorly in the first half, you just couldn't overcome it. And, you know, they couldn't make threes to kind of you know, to kind of put it to, to, to mask those defensive issues they had in the first half. If they play defense for 20 minutes in the first half, they, they win that basketball game running away. The Washington Wizards are, are, are okay. They have a couple, you know, they have Bradley Beal. They have Chris Esperzingis. They have Kyle Kuzma. They have some offensive weapons, but they're a mediocre offensive team at best. Um, poor offensive team uh, sometimes uh, on occasion. So that, that was a winnable game, uh, a winnable game against a team that's clearly inferior to you. So you don't like to see that. You, you really don't. And the road record's not good right now. You want to see that come up a little bit. Some of that's injury. You know, the guys have been out when they played a lot of road games. So you don't want to put too much stock into that. But still, uh, a little bit of a concern. This isn't a five alarmer. This isn't like that Like that Houston game to me, that Houston loss was, that set off my radar like, man, that's bad. Like this, These are bad trends. These are bad things happening. I, I didn't get that as much. If anything, maybe this is a little bit of a wake-up call. And listen, they have two hard, they have two tough games coming up. New Orleans is is playing great basketball. If Zion Williamson is healthy and playing in that game, they've they've dealt with some injuries themselves. If they're healthy going into that game Friday night, that's going to be a hell of a matchup. That's going to be fun to watch. And 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 you know, Valanciunas is a guy who's actually played Embiid tough on occasion. So we'll see about that. I mean, maybe not this iteration of Embiid, I'd say, um, but in general, has played him pretty tough. They have they're a good team. It's a good team in New Orleans, man. They're they're that they, they, you. Certainly, the, the Sixers won't take them lightly, and, and you fans should not take them lightly. They're a legitimate threat in the Western Conference. And then Saturday on the back-to-back, man, you, you have an MVP candidate in Shea Gilgis-Alexander playing for the Thunder. The guy's been electric. He's been fantastic this year. So that's another team that really, you, you just you can't sleep on that team. They can beat you on a given night. If you are asleep, if you don't come in with your best effort on a back-to-back, the second leg of that, you could lose. You could lose on New Year's Eve. That could happen. They could lose both of these games. They, they are not slam dunk wins. They are going to be tough games. So it's a little bit of a rough stretch. But the good news for the Sixers, Tyrese Maxey appears to be ready to return to the lineup. Could be back as early as Friday against the Pelicans. And whew, they could use him, right? I mean, I know they've won eight straight games, but this guy, like, 
there's the, the, the debate seems to be, and this is the question I keep getting a lot. Should Maxi start, you know, what should they do with the, you know, the, the, the starting lineup was really good with Melton in there. Should they start Melton? Well, first of all, and I'm writing this on Liberty Baller, so I'm not going to give away too much, but PJ Tucker needs a break, man. Like a dead shooting hand. Yeah. I think, I think you need to give this dude a break. Um, and I know that's not easy because he's, he wants to play all the time. He's a gamer. He's as tough as they come, but someone's got to be in his ear and be like, bro, your, your hand doesn't work. Like you can't shoot a basketball with, with a hand that doesn't work. Like you, you need to, you need to sit down. So I, I think that issue might in a weird way, solve itself. You'll be a little small. If you start those three, if you start Harden, Maxi, Melton, which I think you might be okay. Cause I think as has been discussed and as it was brought up uh, on Christmas day, Harden guards better up than down. He, he tends to do better with stronger, bigger players. So that might, work out to your benefit. Tobias Harris slides in the guarding more fours, which he is more than capable of doing. So maybe that issue kind of works itself out. But I would say this. Tyrus Maxey, yeah, he is on the cusp of, of, if he's not already there, he is on the cusp of becoming a special player. I think he's too special to bring off the bench. And I don't mean, you know, of, of course there are examples uh, of special players come off the bench. The, the most notable one, Manu Ginobili, a Hall of Famer for the Spurs, you know, famously did that. And, and maybe there's an argument to be made that that's the right move. I don't know. I, I'm not going to make that because I think Tyrese Maxey is, is so special. And I think him and James Harden together, we saw that from the from the onset. From as soon as they got James Harden, Maxey and Harden just really fed off each other really well and played really well together. So I want to see. This version of James Hardy, Harden, that's looked the healthiest he's looked certainly since he got here, maybe since he first got to Brooklyn, um, with this version of Joel Embiid, who's playing out of his freaking mind, who looks like he might be the player of the month for the month of December. Um, I want to see a healthy Maxi playing with those two guys in the starting lineup. I, I think that's the right move. It did sound like Doc is going to consider bringing him off the bench, and maybe... You do that when Maxi first comes back just to ease him in because we all know Maxi is going to go 100 miles an hour because that's who Tyrese Maxi is. But when all is said and done, I think your best team is 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 hard. Your best starting lineup is Harden, Maxi, uh, Tucker, Harris, and Bead. That that's your starting five. That's your best five to me. Uh, you can feel free to disagree with that, and I, I I could certainly entertain an argument. I don't think I'm I'm not going to pound a table saying that but that's just my opinion as we sit here today i love bringing milton and melton off the bench i want to see much more three guard lineups which doc has teased i think they're capable of playing that you have as i already mentioned harden who tends to guard bigger players better you have a guy in shake milton who is a guard but is six five with a i think damn damn near seven foot wingspan who can guard up you have Melton, who who played very well against Paul George when the when the Sixers played the Clippers. So he is capable of guarding up as well. So I want to see more three guard lineups, even when that happens. I'm we, this is for another episode, another time. But I'm a little bit worried about their bench depth as far as the wing is concerned. I would already be playing Matisse Thybul over Daniel House. That's me. That's my my decision. You don't have to get up into the backup center thing because you all already know where I am on that. Uh, and the all bench lineups just doc. It's just it's got to go, man. I don't know what he sees in that. I don't know what he's getting out of that 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 makes him think that's a good look. It's not. I don't get it. But here we are. Um, maybe Darren Warrior needs to trade for a center that's better, clearly, than both Reed and Harrell. So Doc has to play that said center. And maybe that's what has to happen. But we will see. Not much time today for Phillies and Flyers. Flyers are in their winter break, uh, the holiday break, the NHL freeze. 
And uh, the Phillies, you know, not a whole lot going on right now. Um, Craig Kimbrell, I mean, I, I should, wow. Talk about me just uh, missing the lead there. Brutal. But Craig Kimbrell, that's a pretty good signing for the Phillies, right? I mean, that's volatile the last few years as, as relievers are prone to be. Has had dominant, dominant stretches throughout his career. I, I like him because you're not relying on him, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, he's going to be a part of the bullpen, but you have Sir Anthony, who who is clearly one of your high-leverage guys. You have Jose Alvarado, who really thrived in high-leverage roles as well. Um, so I don't, you know, you don't need to use Kimbrel in those spots. So I think just adding him to the mix of, of bullpen arms, I think will be good. I, I think it's a solid signing. $10 million, you're, all you're losing is money if it doesn't work out. Sort of like the Jury's uh, from, from Familia deal. If it doesn't work out, you cut them, you move on, you, you cut ties, which I give Dombrowski credit for. Uh, when, when moves haven't worked out, he has cut bait and he's looked to fix it, and I give him all the credit in the world. He signs Odubel Herrera, which was dumb to begin with, but that's a whole other thing. Um, and Familia, which again, I didn't love that signing either, but credit to him. Cut bait with both guys at the trade deadline. Trades for David Robertson, trades for Brandon Marsh, and I think um, that worked out quite well for the Phillies as they went to the World Series. So, Good things for the Phillies. I'm a fan of the Craig Kimbrell move. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. Hopefully, me and Seamus will be back next week recapping a big Eagles win and a little bit of a celebration. Maybe we'll do a little toast, a little beer. We'll, we'll raise, raise our glasses to, to the Eagles clinching home field advantage throughout. Let's hope that that's the case. But I am Paul Hudrick. I want to thank you for listening. And please rate, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Until then, we will talk to you next time.